Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, man. As always, I'm glad to be here, buddy. <laughs> Good to hear, buddy. Always enjoy yeah, buddy. Uh, your presence on the show. <laughs> Color commentary from Armacost. <laughs> hey, busy news day. Uh, what I want to get to first, I've got a stack show. You're not going to want to miss uh-huh. any of it, I promise you. Um, but I want to hit first another incredible... A judicial overstep of judicial overreach yesterday, mm. trying to crush the Trump team on immigration. But more importantly, I just want to cover it from a news angle. We can get that anywhere. I want to give you the new rules. We win, you lose response to what we should do. All right. You're not going to want to miss this part. All right. So don't go anywhere. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at GenuCell. We love this product. I have my mother-in-law here. She loves it. Uh, my wife loves it. Everybody in the house uses GenuCell because it's great at getting your skin to look top-notch. That's why, you know, our, our code is texting the word young because that's how you look with GenuCell. We love the product. Do you wish the double chin would just disappear? Or the bags and puffiness? Are they getting a little worse every day? You want to get rid of those? I need. I can't have that on TV. It's a major league no-no. Here's Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas about GenuCell. I put the jawline cream on my neck about two or three days ago. It's the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. With GenuCell's natural actives and a pure antioxidant base with no parabens, no chemical scents, and no pharmaceutical preservatives, it's the clean luxury your skin deserves every day. Order right now, and the GenuCell jawline treatment is yours absolutely free. <coughs> Excuse me. Just for ordering the classic GenuCell plant stem cell therapy for bags and puffiness. This is great stuff. Text the word YOUNG to 77453. Or go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. GenuCell works for men, works for women. And for results in 12 hours or less, the GenuCell immediate effects is also included. Free order now, and you'll get free three-day shipping. Can't beat that. Text the word YOUNG, the opposite of old, because that's how you'll look, YOUNG, to 77453. Or go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Go check it out. You'll love GenuCell. All right, let's get right to it. Yesterday, Ninth Circuit District Court Judge. Um, I don't even want to call this guy a judge because he's not acting like one. He's acting like a politician wearing a black robe from the bench. Ruled that Donald Trump's immigration decision that if you are applying for asylum within the United States, coming from Mexico, entering the country illegally and trying to claim asylum, you would have to wait in Mexico. We are out of space. Listen to me. Paula put the headline up there on the show, youtube.com slash Bongino. California judge blocks Trump's policy forcing asylum seekers to stay in Mexico. Ladies and gentlemen, there are no more beds in detention facilities. If you cross the border illegally and then get here and claim asylum, your asylum claim, you according to the legal process, now you have the right to be heard. Right. You do not have the right to be heard and stay here illegally in the country while it's heard. Donald Trump, because we are out of space, President Trump has said, you will have to wait in Mexico and you're going to have to get in line between the, at this point, tens of thousands of other people claiming asylum. Mm-hmm. A judge, of course, yesterday, not acting like a judge, he wants to act like a politician, said, no, no, you get to stay in the United States. That policy's no good. Now he put a stay on it until Friday to give the Trump administration time to get their uh, uh, to get their appeal ready. Uh, Doesn't matter. The judge had no legal basis for think about what this judge said yesterday. Yeah. This is not a judge. This person's acting like a politician. They're not acting like a judge. The judicial branch of the government has, has gone entirely, has usurped powers they do not have. The judge is now claiming, Joe, anyone anywhere in the world can land here, walk here, boat here, however you get to the United States. There are a number of means to do it. Yeah. Once you step foot on U.S. soil, if you say the magic word asylum, there is no way we can remove you at all while that si- asylum claim is there. So everybody... Everybody all over the world is going to be incentivized to come here to the United States illegally and just use the magic words of asylum. Yeah, he's a bonehead. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what he's thinking. I, yeah. I, I, well, I do know what he's thinking. He's acting like a politician now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's a suggestion for you. The reason the judge is using to usurp powers and act like a legislator, not a judge, which is what he's doing. Yeah. Is he says, well, Mexico is way too dangerous, Joe, for us to be able to send people back across the border and await a hearing later on for Mexico. Joe, we clear on this. The judge, way too dangerous, Mexico. We cannot send people back there. Okay. Donald Trump should respond then. 
He should respond with a temporary closure of the border until Friday. Joe, it's too dangerous. Yeah. Did the judge not say that? We can't accept this danger. Yeah. Yeah. Liberals are clapping. (laughs) They're celebrating this judge. Judge is right. It's just too dangerous in Mexico. Close the border. Close the Joe, do you not agree? Close the border until Friday. The decision's been stayed till Friday. Close the border. Sure. Close it down till Friday. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a free trader. I get there will be temporary economic ramifications, but the left is playing for keeps. They are trying to wipe out our borders, west, east, north, south. Granted, we have the benefits of oceans on both sides. It's still a border. You come in via port, via plane, there's still a border there. You still have to pass by border people. And for uh, law enforcement officers assigned to protect our border. Mm-hmm. Step number one, close the border till Friday. And tell, listen, the judge has ruled. Now, do you understand the spot this is going to put the liberals in, Joe? Yeah, yeah, the oh, judge yes, who yes, they sir. love. Yeah, Dan. This legislator from the bench has no. ruled because, Joe, he's an expert in international relations, law enforcement, counterterrorism, military ops, counter narcotics. The judge knows all of this. Oh, Joe. sure. Sure, he does. Yeah. Of, of course, he's a judge. Yeah. He, knows he knows everything. He's yeah. omniscient and omnipotent. <laughs> he knows everything and he has all this power. So, right. what does the judge do? The judge is ruled based on his large body of evidence, which he doesn't have, Mm -hmm. and expertise he doesn't have, that Mexico is just too dangerous and that nobody should be forced back to Mexico while asylum claims are waited out, despite the fact we have no room for them here. No room in detention facilities. Shut the border down. Blame it on the judge. Hey, listen, the judges said it's too dangerous. We are going to have to reevaluate what's going on in our southern border. Watch the left, Joe. Mm-hmm. It's not too da- It's crazy. This is not- Well, you just said it was too dangerous. You you want to win this? Yeah. You want to win this or you want to mess around? Do you want to win the battle for our sovereignty and our border? You cannot have a nation without borders. Listen, I have a family of legal immigrants. I've always been pro-legal immigration. That's sensitive to our labor market. Always. Always, yeah. I will never, ever, ever be pro-open borders or illegal immigration. If you don't have respect for our rule of law and our flag, the moment you cross our soil, the likelihood it will happen later is nil. You have disrespected our law. We have laws like every other country on earth. And the law says you are free to enter here via a process, a visa application, a legal immigration application. We will welcome you. We do not welcome you if you decide to break those laws. Some of those asylum claims may be legitimate. Many are not. You cannot wait here in detention facilities. We don't have room in anymore. You have to wait in Mexico. Liberals say Mexico is too dangerous. Close the border. Second step, Mm -hmm. our State Department should send out an advisory based on recent judicial rulings regarding uh, asylum seeking and the dangers in Mexico. We are issuing a travel advisory to Mexico. Oh, the Mexican government would lose their marbles. (laughs) The tourism industry. Whoa, daddy. You may say, oh, my gosh, Dan, that's a little harsh. Are you sure we want to go down that road? Yes, I'm sure. Issue the travel advisory. Make the liberal politicians come out and admit that what this judge said was false. We can't issue a travel advisory, shut down the border. This is absurd. Mexico's not dangerous. You just said it was. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a fight for our national sovereignty. There is no more room in detention facilities. Our borders are being systematically wiped out. I told you yesterday I would address what's going on with immigration. I'm going to add one more thing, and I'm going to move on because I got some really terrific stuff on another uh, another case today. We have to scrap this Flores. There has to be a strong legislative push everywhere, a national agenda to get rid of this Flores consent decree. There has to be a legislative fix to this. Flores consent decree, This Bush had to deal with this, Obama had to deal with this, and Trump had to deal with this. It has to deal with it now. Use the correct tense. Says that in roughly 20 days, we cannot keep children in a detention facility if they're brought here illegally. Well, what has that done? It's create an incentive for people to bring children with them across the border on this dangerous journey, knowing they will be released with the children into the country after 20 days. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that has to go. Either we have to hire more immigration judges to expedite these hearings at the border in less than 20 days, or we have to legislatively scrap Flores and and, and, uh, enable the government to detain family units together while their case is being heard. We cannot systematically release people into the country because they brought a child across the border because what is it doing, Joe? It's creating an assembly line of children who don't even belong to the people who are crossing the border in many cases. That's right. This is dangerous. For the kids. Do you not understand that? Kids are being used as props and pawns. So you can be released into the country after 20 days. We need a strong national legislative push to get rid of this now. Sickening what's happened. What's happening. All right. One quick note. I got a lot of questions yesterday about the Secret Service Director. Mm. uh, Randolph uh, Al's being, uh, being let go. Uh, Listen, I don't have a lot to add on it. Um, I know the new director very well, Jim Murray, the new appointed director. He's a great guy. We work together in the New York field office. Um, I think it's another excellent pick by Trump. The the reasoning behind it, uh, Al's being let go, I don't think it has anything to do with the Mar-a-Lago incident with the the, uh, Chinese uh, national and the the computer equipment and things like that. I'm I'm pretty sure that's not the reason. Based on what I'm getting, uh, Al's was a John Kelly appointee, and there's just a house cleaning in DHS. It happens all the time yeah. in presidential administrations. But I can assure you just quickly, Jim Murray is a very good guy, more than competent, extensive criminal experience in New York. Remember, the Secret Service is a bifurcated agency. They do criminal investigations and protection. Murray is deeply skilled in both, was an excellent, excellent agent, and uh, it was a really good pick by Donald Trump. I think he'll do very well. So uh, congrats to Jim Murray, and that's really my input. I don't want to waste a lot of your time on stuff I don't have, uh, you know, deep color commentary on. But uh, Jim is a really good guy. Okay, moving on. Uh, Bill de Blasio, what it strikes again, the socialist mayor of New York. This is an important story. Okay, Um, you know, I I try to stay out of strictly regional issues because it's an it's an international show. We have a rather large audience of uh, well over a quarter million people around the world. Yeah, um, and I I don't like to stick to just regional issues because they don't apply to everyone. What happens with De Blasio in New York always applies to everyone because he is one of the 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 tip of the spear (laughs) leading advancers and propagandists for socialists in the country right now, and he's in one of the most powerful positions in the country, which is the mayorship of New York City. You know, I had a um, history teacher, my AP history teacher in high school, John DiOrio, who was a good guy. Uh, He was a Democrat, but I liked him a lot. He was a brilliant guy. And uh, uh, DiOrio used to tell me, he used to tell the class, actually, he'd say, you know, with that Italian accent, his the three most powerful people in the world (laughs) are the president, the Russian president, or is it... (laughs) The Russian president. Russian. I, I still love these classes. And the mayor of New York City. I remember him saying that. Well, you can, you know, you can take it or leave it for it if you believe that's true or not. But the mayor of New York City is very powerful. So what have I always told you about socialism, people like de Blasio, and this radical shift to the left? Well, there's a piece up in the Washington Examiner today which describes what I've said. This is a cannibalistic movement, identity politics. Here's a piece from the Washington Examiner today by Beckett Adams, who can't stand me, but that's okay, right? It's good battle hold grudges. Uh, de Blasio, a noise activist by trying to share out reparations among all aggrieved voter blocks. I'll have Beckett's piece up in my show notes today at Bongino.com for you to read. <laughs> this is a great piece for you to read. You have got to read this because Joe... We nailed this one months ago. Oh, yeah. When we said, listen, as the 2020 (laughs) campaign for the presidency kicks in, what's going to happen? Eventually, it's going to become a race to pander to new groups you want to make sure you enshrine as victims. But by searching for new groups as victims, you are going to have to abandon old Uh groups you pandered to as victims. Yeah. Right now, yeah. I always give a couple examples so you understand what we're talking about. Because Joe and I have hit this a lot, oh, but I know job. that sounds complicated. Mm. When you constantly have to recruit new victims, in other words, you're a radical liberal, and your whole platform is conservatives, Republicans in the United States have victimized you because they did whatever. Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Just fill it in. It doesn't make a difference. They will make it. Your tax policy. The rich are taking advantage of you. Healthcare. The insurance companies are taking advantage of you. 
<laughs> private schools. Private schools are taking advantage of you. Everybody's always victimizing you. The problem with that is you eventually run out of other victims because in trying to aggrieve classes of people, you're going to impact other classes of people advertently or inadvertently. What do I mean by this? Here's a great example. What's happening in New York with de Blasio is fascinating. De Blasio wants uh, racial equality, what he calls it, because it's never equal. It involves treating people unequally in some of their elite high schools. There's a test to get into the elite public high schools in New York. It's, it's, it's a test. It doesn't matter if you're Asian, black, Hispanic. You have to take the test and get a score. That's it. Mm -hmm. De Blasio doesn't like that because only a small portion of the attendees in these elite high schools in New York, I think it's Bronx Science and others, um, are happen to be black and Hispanic. He doesn't like that. Now, de Blasio, Joe, no, notice he doesn't mention the fact that the socialist policies he uses to enforce inferior education upon black and Hispanic students that live in inner cities, he doesn't mention that. No, of course. The failure to produce qualified students is his fault. What he does is he blames the test. Yeah. So de Blasio wants to start instituting some form of quotas for these elite high schools in New York based on race. Well, what happens with that? Well, again, seeking out new classes of victims. Oh, you've been victimized by the elite public high schools. Asian Americans, who happen to be minorities as well, whose kids happen to do very well based on the proportion of Asian students entering these schools. Asian students are like, wait, wait, let me get this straight. So I do very well on the test. I happen to be a minority as well. And I have to give up my spot to another student who didn't do as well because you're enacting a quota because your public schools failed them? Am I reading this right? The Asian families don't like this at all. <laughs> and they are fighting back hardcore. Again, identity politics, not based, at not, not based on opportunity, but based on their version of equality and quotas, will always sick one group against the next. So now Asian Americans who have their kids in these schools are, are rightfully so offended by the fact that their kids have to score extra high to get in. You see this in college applications as well, where the average Asian student has to score 300 points higher than a black student to get into a college of his choice or her choice. How's that fair? <laughs> the second example, flip the script again. Minority black and Hispanic citizens of the United States who see illegal immigrants, tying into story one, coming into their communities and undercutting wages in some of their labor jobs and other jobs that otherwise black and Hispanic men and women, citizens of the United States, Joe, would have mm -hmm. filled. They're losing out on these jobs to illegal immigrants who come into the country and work OTB off the books. Mm -hmm. So now in your zeal to defend another one of your victim classes, illegal immigrants, you now offend black and Hispanic American citizens. Do you understand how when you don't, have a set of common laws, rules, and procedures that apply to everyone, and you pick and choose your victim class in an effort to placate them, you naturally, there's no way around it, will eventually offend other people in another victim class you tried to defend. There's no other way. Did my examples make sense, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on the money. By trying to cordon off the pie into union workers, non-union workers, blacks versus whites, uh, whites versus Hispanics, Asians versus whites versus Hispanics, yeah. Hispanics versus Asians, uh, Muslims versus Jews, Jews versus Muslims. By trying to do this, instead of just saying the rules apply to everybody, you naturally are going to engage in some cannibalistic endeavor where the identity politics movement eats itself alive. Let's get back to the piece, the okay. Beckett Adams piece. What happens now? De Blasio answers a question at an event from a woman who wants to know about reparations, payments made to the ancestors of who were slaves, African-American slaves in America. Where does de Blasio stand on reparations? What does de Blasio say? De Blasio fires back and says, you know, this is a great idea, mm -hmm. but I think if we're going to do reparations, we, what I read it, we should have reparations for Latinos, Native Americans, Asians, women. 
This lady doesn't like that answer at all. No. She's like, this is no good, Joe. This is the equivalent of saying all lives matter. Oh. Which, by the way, is only a controversial statement on yeah. the left, right, Joe? <laughs> yeah. all, all lives <gasps> All lives matter. <laughs> you can't say that. Well, what, they don't matter? No, you just can't say that. It takes away from Black Lives Matter. No, Black Lives Matter, too, because they're all lives. All. All. Do we have to do, for those of you who want to watch the visuals, this is going to be very scientific. <laughs> YouTube.com slash Bongino. Check it out. I'm going to make a very separate scientific diagram. Here okay. Here. All lives. For those on the audio, I'm just making a circle with my hands. All lives encompass black lives. White lives, Asian lives, women lives, infant lives, all lives do matter. Because we believe the rules apply to everybody. That's how a constitutional republic works. This lady was horrified that de Blasio said that. What do you mean reparations for Asians and women and Latinos and Native Americans? I'm talking about reparations for the descendants of, of African-American slaves. Joe. Yeah, man. This is the heart of identity politics. Don't ever forget this. This movement will inherently eat itself alive because you can't have victim classes that don't in turn take away and harm other people you're trying to paint as victim classes too. So now you're telling Latino Americans that Bill de Blasio wants reparations for too in wealth distribution. You're telling them not only are Latinos and Native Americans who may have their own significant historical gripes, fair enough, that they not only, Joe, won't receive reparations, but they'll have to pay reparations to the descendants of, of African-American slaves. Oh, and Native Americans, that. who were maybe on the Trail of Tears or whatever, rightfully so, yeah. by that logic, would say, well, where are my reparations? What about me? What a, Exactly. What about me, baby? Fair enough, if those yeah. are the rules. What about Asian-Americans interned during <laughs> World War II? Asian. Why not? It never, ever ends. I saw this piece in the show notes today. Please read it. Keep it on your phone because I want you when the reparations argument comes up to say, well, what about them? Yeah. What about all of these other groups that have a legitimate historical grievance? Yes, sir. What about people whose land was confiscated regardless of their race, culture, or sex by the government in illicit schemes in the past? Do they get it? It will eat itself alive, this endeavor. All right, I've got some good stuff. I'm about to expose a media guy who was a Russian tool and a useful idiot. Uh, and I want to, because this guy thought he was a real, uh, he's been he's desperately trying to run interference for the Obama administration. I want to point to you because I've, I've, I've failed to do this in some of my past shows. It's going to be in book two, I promise. I failed to indicate the strong evidence that the Obama White House themselves were knee deep, if not neck deep in this whole thing. And this journalist, David Korn, is running interference for them on Twitter because he was a useful idiot in this case. And he's hiding. So I want to get to that in a second. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at ETS. We love ETS. They make the finest loaders out there. Listen, your time at the range is valuable. Spending more time loading mags, not only going to mess up your thumbs uh, in instead of shooting, is it, it's not going to improve your action. It's going to make your thumbs. You're going to get that th mag thumb. We hate that. Well, what if there's a better way to spend more time shooting and less time beating the snot out of your thumbs by loading magazines? I found the solution with the ETS speed loader. I'm going to show you this thing in a second. It's really cool. It's the fastest loader ever made. The ETS loader is incredibly fast. It gets the job done in seconds. It's easy to use. You don't have to touch the rounds. You don't have to touch them. You don't, you don't even put your fingers on. You just line up your rounds, scoop them up, plunge them in. I'll show you how it works. If you think loading one round at a time is the only way, you'll never need the ETS speed loader. But that's not the way. Once you use it for yourself, you'll never load the slow way again. Who wants to sit there at the range all day loading mags? It's the best $30 you will ever spend on shooting gear. Regardless of your experience, ETS loader is the easiest way to load mags and prevent mag thumb. You know the cramping pain you get in your hand and thumb from loading mags. ETX makes a universal rifle loader and pistol loaders for 9mm, 40 caliber, 45 caliber, and 380. Check them out yourself at loadmagsfast.com. That's loadmagsfast.com. Use promo code DAN for free shipping. Go to loadmagsfast.com right now. And this just in. 
People listening in California, a long-standing magazine capacity law banning mags over 10 rounds was struck down. This is a win for the Second Amendment, law-abiding gun owners. ETS also makes durable and rugged translucent 30-round magazines for Glock, MP5, and AR-15. They're now shipping to California. Get yours today. The mags are really good. They actually connect together, too. So uh, I love those mags. But this is the ETS speed loader. It's super simple. You take this piece right over the—you go. You open the box right over the top of the rounds. Take them out. Put the plunger on like this. There you go. Your mag is loaded, babe. This is the 45 caliber one. Really simple, easy to use. Go to loadmagsfast.com. You will love, love, love. Best $30 you will ever spend. Go check mm-hmm. it out. Okay, uh, moving on. Great company. Thanks for being here. Oh, uh, let's see. What do we got next? Okay, so here's the long and short of it. Uh, I was watching a Twitter exchange between David Korn, who was one of the useful idiots in the Russia probe, and Matt Schlapp from the ACU, American Conservative Union, the uh, organization that runs CPAC, where uh, David seems to still be... This guy, by the way, keep in mind, David Korn pretends to be a journalist. I say pretends because he's an activist. He's a full-time activist. Make no mistake. Mm-hmm. He was the one who, who broke the story about... I used to go to these meetings in D.C. for conservatives. He wrote this big story, Conservatives meet in D.C. to discuss conservatism. <laughs> Whoa, we're all caught, man. We're all busted. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. No, seriously. Like, the guy's <laughs> a lunatic. So he was one of the key players in advancing the dossier, the false information in the dossier. He was the tool they used, one of them, to get this out there. I'm going to show you in a second. But the background on this is critical. Because I noticed that Matt had made some comments about the Obama administration's involvement in this. And David instantly, like, jumped to the defense. The Obama, you have no evidence that the Obama administration was involved in the spying operation on Trump. I haven't covered this, shockingly. It'll be in book two, my second book, Exonerated, The Failed Takedown of Donald Trump by the Swamp. Pick it up if you haven't checked it out yet. But I haven't really gone into this, the evidence we have that the Obama administration was heavily involved in this. So I'm going to do that to make Korn look silly. But first, I want to show you why David Korn is in a panic. Uh, Put up his Mother Jones piece, if you don't mind, on the screen, my lovely wife, Apollo. This is a piece by David Korn, liberal activist, from Mother Jones, one of the worst uh, online propaganda outlets out there. Uh, Dated, notice the date, folks. This is important. October 31st, 2016. In other words, right before the election. Conveniently timed for liberal activist David Korn to do maximum damage to Donald Trump. Somebody leaked to him that a veteran spy, who's that, excuse me, is Christopher Steele, of course, has given the FBI information alleging a Russian operation to cultivate Donald Trump. Has the Bureau investigated this material? You mean the fake material, the material that's... Not, he's not embarrassed at all, by the way, that he wrote an article based on fake material. He's Corn is not embarrassed at all. He's proud of his role as a useful idiot for the Russians, mm-hmm. the liberal media, and the activist left. So just to be clear, just days before the election, he writes a piece. Remember all these people, by the way, who told us this is, this is an important... Important point, folks, and an important takeaway. To this day, some of the liberals up on the Hill will insist, you know, listen, you guys leaked the information, the FBI about Hillary in that July 5th press conference about her involvement in the email scandal. You guys, like it was us, by the way, it was that hack Comey who screwed that up too. You leaked that to do damage to Hillary, but nobody leaked anything about the Trump investigation before the election. You, mm. you understand where I'm going with this? This is, this is an important takeaway. One of the liberal talking points has always been that the Trump investigation, the Spygate operation, wasn't leaked before the election, but Hillary's email scandal was because they wanted to hurt Hillary and help Trump. That's not true. Put the headline up again. October 31st, it's just not true. You can Google this piece yourself. I'm not putting this in the show. I'm not giving this guy any additional clicks. I had to do it already on Twitter, which horrified me. But I wanted to show people how this guy's an activist, not a reporter. October 31st, 2016. There's the leak about the investigation. That, that story, that narrative. You know, the FBI was trying to help Trump. They didn't leak the investigation. There it is right there. Look at it yourself. It's up on the screen. I just read to you the title. Now. Here's a snippet from the piece indicating how this this alleged journalist, because they knew he was a liberal activist, would be more than happy to lap up like a dog licking water, licking water, a a kitten licking a bowl of milk, would be happy to lap up anti-Trump information, even though it's fake, and put it in a report, report, depending to be a pretending to be a journalist. This is from the piece. He's talking about Harry Reid. Harry Reid, who gets a briefing by uh, John Brennan in August of 2016. 
Harry Reid gets a briefing by John Brennan, the CIA director under Obama. I'm going to get to the Obama stuff in a second, but I want to set it up for you to show you why Corn is running interference. He knows his role in this. He says, Reid had written to Comey and demanded an investigation of, uh, quote, the connections between the Russian government and Donald Trump's presidential campaign. And in that letter, he indirectly referred to Carter Page. Wow, isn't this fascinating? Wait, wait, this goes on. Mm. And why do I say that's fascinating? Because Carter Page only appears in the dossier. How does Corn know about this? How does Corn know? Because he's getting the dossier information fed to him. But he's not checking it to be real. He just wants to hurt Trump before the election. Uh, This book goes on at the end. It says, and a former senior intelligence officer for a Western country who specializes in Russian counterintelligence, he's talking about steel, tells Mother Jones that in recent months, he provided the Bureau with memos based on his recent interactions with Russian sources. This is hysterical. This is hysterical. Court is laying out the case Mm. that a guy paid by the Clinton team, Christopher Steele, through a law firm in Fusion GPS, is interacting with the Russians to give him information. <laughs> he's admitting, Joe, am I missing something here? He's yeah, admitting no. he's the Russian colluder. This huh. guy's a <laughs> Russian tool. He wrote it in his own piece. We have information from a spy who is working with the Russians who was paid for by Hillary. Dude, this guy is such a tool. He's so dumb. He writes in his own piece. He's a Russian colluder. The piece goes on. Listen to how he puts a shine on Steele. He has to put a shine on Christopher Steele now to make the fake information Steele has in the dossier to make it legitimate. Here's a second tidbit from the piece here. He says, uh, for the, uh, the former spy tells Mother Jones that he has been a credible source with a proven record of providing reliable, sensitive, and important information to the U.S. government. This tool's getting worked again. Corn, the useful idiot. He's offended, by the way, that I'm name calling him. You're a tool. You're a tool. I'm sorry, brother. You are knee deep in the police state operation to spy on the president of the United States and your delicate sensibilities are offended. Hard pass. Fess up. Do the right thing. You were a useful idiot. This second part is important. Why is he putting a shine on steel? Because, Joe, as I've told you from the start, I am reasonably confident, based on the 2007 Wall Street Journal article, Mm -hmm. the attempted IO-5 Russian colluder model the Democrats had used before against McCain and others, Mm -hmm. Manafort and other people, that this model they had used, they needed someone to put their name on the Russian colluder information. In other words, Trump's a Russian colluder. They tried this before. Mm Mm-hmm. They needed someone credible. Steele had worked with the FBI before on the soccer corruption case. So they had to put a shine on Steele, even though I believe the majority of the information, or I shouldn't say the majority, large swaths of it were not actually produced by Steele. But they needed Steele's name because he had been a credible source before. And they needed useful idiots like David Korn, who pretends to be a journalist, to put a shine on Steele to make the dossier used in the FISA warrant appear legitimate when it wasn't. Korn is a Russian tool. He doesn't even know it. He exposes himself in his own piece. Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. you understand Korn is not a dumb guy. His tweets are dumb. His efforts to not just come clean and admit he's a Russian tool are dumb. But Corn's running interference against Matt Schlapp and, and trying to defend the Obama White House because he doesn't want his role in this to come out. So Corn's take is, we have no evidence that the Obama White House was involved in this. We don't. This guy fundamentally misunderstands what evidence is. Yeah, I'd say. Now, it's fair enough for him to say there is not conclusive proof. Fine. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. What is not, it was absolutely inaccurate, kind of gross, and a clear propaganda effort by a failed journalist not interested in the facts. What is clearly nonsense is saying there's no evidence the Obama White House was involved. That is garbage. Let's go to this piece by Andy McCarthy I put in the show notes today. It's an older piece, but it covers some of the more prominent stroke page texts. One of them, here's the piece. It's titled The Stroke Page Text and the Origins of the Trump-Russia Investigation. It's on May 14, 2018. 
Thank you, Paula. Paula is getting nice with this. She's like the, the you should go work for like a Fox News. I may have to give I may have to give you a significant raise to keep you. She's like getting really sharp with this stuff. That's Andy McCarthy's piece. It'll be in the show notes. Thank you out there. I'm serious. Read it. It has some of the more damning texts. Here's the one that's going to open your eyes. Again, David Korn, tell me how there's no evidence that the White House was involved in the fake dossier FISA operation to spy on Trump. Let's read this stroke text. He's texting Lisa Page. This is from August 5th, 2016. And hi, went well. Best we could have expected. Other than, this part is redacted, by the way. Other than something, in other words. He goes on, he says in a text to Page, this is critical. The White House is running this. This is a direct quote. Keep in mind, the case opens just a few days earlier. A few days earlier. The case opens July 30th, 2016. Mm -hmm. There is a series of back and forths. I, I can't read them all. Andy McCarthy, keep this up for a second, please, lays out in this National Review piece where for those that critical period from July 30th through the first week in August, Lisa Page, the FBI lawyer involved in the Trump uh, probe, and Peter Stroke, the lead FBI agent investigator, through those days are talking about in that first week almost exclusively... The Trump investigation, based on this fake, phony dossier. Corn's defense to this is, well, we don't know they're talking about the Spygate case. No, no, I know, David. So for five days after they opened the case, six days, the first week, they're talking about it exclusively. But it comes to the text, the White House is running this. No, they're talking about the White House is running a charity marathon in, in West Virginia. Again, this guy, this is a journalist, air quotes journalist. Yeah. This guy's supposed to be interested in the facts. All right, so let's give Corn a pass. He's not that bright. He actually is that bright. That's what bothers me because he's a liar and he knows he's lying. Say his defense is, oh, they, they were talking about a, you know, a, a charity marathon in Virginia the White House was organizing with Peter Stroke and had nothing to do with Spygate. Let's put up this other piece from Catherine Harridge. Again, an older piece, but worth revisiting. Catherine Harridge and Greg Reed give uh, a, a proper credit. Title, FBI clashed with DOJ over potential bias of their source for the surveillance warrant. And this is in the McCabe and Page texts. Inside the piece, here's another text that we just had involving McCabe, Stroke, and Lisa Page. This one, again, talks about meetings at the White House. Talking about agency people. Here's this text on October 14, 2016, just a few months later. Lisa Page writes to Deputy Director Andy McCabe, this time concerning a meeting with the White House. Just called, Lisa Page says to McCabe. Apparently, Sally Yates, the Deputy Attorney General, now wants to be there, and the White House wants DOJ to host. So we are setting that up now. We will very much need to get Cohen's view before we meet with her. Cohen's the Deputy Director of the CIA. It works for John Brennan, obviously. Better have him weigh in with her before the meeting. We need to speak with one voice if that is, in fact, the case. McCabe responds with back within the hour. Thanks. I will reach out to David, David Cohen, the deputy director of the CIA. And on August, and October 19th, just five days later, Page writes to McCabe that the meeting with White House counsel is finally set up. Again, David, I know you don't understand what evidence means. But you asked Matt Schlapp to produce evidence of the White House's involvement. And then it's interesting. I produced that evidence for you and you ignore it. Then he demands proof. He always absolute proof. This is what we do. We put together a case based mm -hmm. on a series of circumstances and evidence that in the end leads to, in the criminal arena, uh, leads to a conviction beyond reasonable doubts. I'm asking you, is it reasonable to assume that the Department of Justice, the Central Intelligence Agency, David Cohen and John Brennan, the National Security Administration, Jim Clapper, the DNI, the FBI, foreign intelligence, they are all working this case, texting each other about White House meetings, the White House is running this and setting up meetings at the White House. Is it reasonable to believe that all of this is happening and these texts are about the White House and Barack Obama and his team have no knowledge at all of what's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an actual reporter tweeting this. Yeah. This guy, 
I mean, Joe, I'm just asking you for and uh, for common sense yeah. here. And and folks, I mean this because you know I respect my audience. Email me back <laughs> an alternative explanation that sounds reasonable to you. Remember, in the court system, no one's proven innocent. Innocence not a category. You're proven not guilty. Right. And if you are proved guilty, no one says there's proof. You're proven guilty beyond any reasonable doubt. Only God knows what really happened. Sometimes that standard fails. Joe, innocent people mm-hmm. sadly go to jail often. Yeah. Well, not often. I want to be dramatic, but it does happen. It does happen. I'm asking this reporter, alleged reporter, to look at the evidence. Does that sound reasonable to you? They're emailing and texting each other about White House meetings, meetings with the CIA, speaking with one voice. The White House is running this days after the investigation is open. And you think it's about a charity marathon in West Virginia? And you claim to be a journalist? Oh, by the way, you're the same journalist who was fed nonsense information and published it as a useful idiot. (laughs) Nelson Muntz time. What a dunce. What a dunce you are. You published a bunch of unverified crap while putting a shine on a foreign source that lied to you. What a dunce. Dunce. (laughs) My gosh. Dude. Can you be any dumber? And he's still running interference. The White House has nothing to do with this. There's no evidence. You clearly don't know what the word evidence means. Or you do when you're a liar, which is more likely. All right, I got another angle to this I want to address. I'm sorry, but with Barr testifying today up on Capitol Hill, we'll have some great stuff on that tomorrow. This is all going to be big because the Democrats are panicking right now. Mark Meadows is making criminal referrals. Referrals. Devin Nunes is making criminal referrals. Nunes is suing McClatchy for defaming him. Good for him. And and I believe Liz Mayer's involved in that lawsuit. Um, excuse me. A lot of stuff is breaking. So, all right. Today's show uh, brought to you also by one of the best new products out there. Um, I was privileged enough to get some of this. This is Omax CryoFreeze. Can you see that? This is really, really good stuff. Now, this was perfect for me. This has CBD oil in it, and it's one of these products that'll change your life. I have really bad arthritis, so I said to them, this product will be absolutely perfect for me. Sorry, everything works the opposite way, and you have to learn to move the opposite way. How does this work? Look at this. Notice it's open because I've been using it. It works like a roll-on, but I have a bad elbow. You roll it on, and minutes, I'm telling you, your pain is going to disappear. Not only that, you get this cooling sensation, and the CBD oil, I love it. makes me feel terrific. I've been using this basically three or four times a day. It's a great product. Visit OmaxHealth.com, enter promo code Bongino. You'll get 20% off site-wide. This stuff is terrific. CryoFreeze is an advanced pain relief product line that was inspired by cryotherapy which means cold therapy. The treatment exposes the body to cold temperatures to numb and reduce pain or inflammation. Professional NBA and NFL athletes use this stuff on a regular basis. It is unbelievable. Matter of fact, my mother-in-law, I'm not kidding, is outside. Her neck was hurting her today. It's not a joke. We rolled some on her neck. She's like, I love this stuff. I told you, so I gave her, I had one that was unopened. This is mine. I can't give her mine. The real secret behind CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on is two leading edge, uh, leading edge pain relief ingredients. CBD oil, known for its unique therapeutic effect on cellular pain receptors, and menthol for soothing sensations for pain. Gets rid of your pain. CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on can be used four times a day. And again, it works within 10 minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, performance, supports more comfortable sports activities. If you're looking for a relief from your muscle pain and joint pain within 15 minutes, you need a natural and powerful solution is tested and worked try cryofreeze pain relief roll-on quick absorbing scientifically backed provides pain relief instantly if pro athletes use it it must work remember go to omaxhealth.com today enter code bongino to take advantage of this incredible savings that's omax o-m-a-x health.com enter code bongino to get 20 percent off cryofreeze site way don't let muscle fist, uh, muscle soreness continue to be an excuse for living an active lifestyle go to omaxhealth.com and feel relief faster use promo code bongino okay I love this stuff. Seriously, it's really good. <laughs> Polly, you like it too, right? On your back? <laughs> Wonder how it got on there. <laughs> we got another new sponsor. Paula's like, you better be careful with them. She knows what I'm talking about. My poor wife. I love her. She's like, you better not say that. <laughs> they were, seriously, we got this cologne company. It's like a, it's got a, a rub on cologne. <laughs> it's good. I'll leave that there. Okay, uh, okay. moving on. So, well, okay, <laughs> uh, one, one more thing I want to cover uh, today. Uh, make it to make it to another show, but this is important, folks. 
what's about to blow is something very, very serious. Devin Nunes, uh, the excellent Republican congressman who's been all over the Spygate case from the beginning, has been on top of this and hinting at it through the Nunes translator, if you know what to listen for, for a very long time. And what I believe is about to blow is a key critical question I've been asking you from the start that I cannot hammer home enough for you. And I, I'm really sorry if this is redundant, but it is important you understand this. The entire case that somebody on the Trump team, either Carter Page or Papadopoulos, in this case Papadopoulos, colluded with the Russians is based on one April 2016 meeting. This guy, George Papadopoulos, who is recently hired by the Trump team as a foreign policy advisor. Uh, this this person pushes him into the meeting who's got interesting connections. This is Arvinder Sambay, interesting connections themselves there, but pushes him into a meeting with this guy, Joseph Mifsud. This guy, Joseph Mifsud, is alleged to be the guy who tells Papadopoulos about the Russian dirt on Hillary. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, please understand that is the collusion case because later on, again, according to the FBI narrative, which is false, Papadopoulos tells an Australian in London, an Australian ambassador, this guy Alexander Downer, about that interaction. Hey, some guy told me about Russian dirt. Collusion! There you go, we got it. Folks, this whole thing relies on the fact that uh, Joseph Mifsud is a Russian agent. Because you can't collude with a Russian agent who's not Russian or is not working as a Russian carve-out. Now, this is important because slimy, sleazy Adam Schiff, the skeletor of this He-Man story, has insisted, even in one of his memos, that Papadopoulos met with a Russian, quote, intermediary, referring to Ms. Sud. It's just not hard to understand, folks. The Democrats are alleging a guy connected to Trump, Papadopoulos, a foreign policy advisor, took information from a Russian intermediary about dirt on Hillary. That Russian intermediary is alleged to be this guy, Mifsud. That's their whole case. Folks, I have insisted to you from the start, Mifsud is not a Russian asset. There, that's, not, that's bad enough because then your whole case is gone. Right. I have insisted to you from the start in our first book, Spygate, that we make an open and shut case on this. Mifsud was a setup. It was an effort to entrap Papadopoulos as a member of the Trump team. Not only is he not getting information from a Russian, he's getting information from friendlies to the U.S. who are trying to entrap Papadopoulos. Now, I have I've not covered this in a while, but it's important because this is what's about to blow. I always like to be a few months ahead of the news cycle and go back and listen to old shows. The proof is in the pudding. So let's go to Margot Cleveland piece number one. This is an older piece, which is in my show notes today. Margot Cleveland is an excellent writer, hat tip to her at The Federalist, who deserves a Pulitzer with Chuck Ross and others, for, and, and Jeff Carlson at the, uh, at the Epic Times there, for, for exposing the secrets in this case. Here's the piece from Margot Cleveland, why the FBI needs yet another cover story for starting Spygate. Here's the gist of this one. She says, the first FISA to spy on the Trump team, the FISA warrant to spy on the Trump team, was issued in October of 2016. The New York Times seems to indicate in one of their articles there that the FBI knew about this, quote, dirt on Hillary by the time the October 2016 FISA was issued. But if you read this piece in the show notes today, you'll pick out a couple things. How did they know about the dirt on Hillary? They didn't interview Papadopoulos until January of 2017. Folks, track me here. Mm. If the only place the dirt on Hillary line is used is between Papadopoulos and Mifsud in this April of 2016 meeting, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And that term dirt, dirt, don't forget this dirt line. Dirt, Joe Dirt. This is going to be the key to blowing this open. How does the FBI know in October of 2016 in their FISA warrant about the Mifsud dirt, dirt conversation. You say, oh, well, they got it from Downer. Downer told them in uh, right before in July of 2016. No, no, Downer says he never mentioned this dirt on Hillary comment. So how do they know about the Mifsud meeting? I thought Mifsud was a Russian asset. A Russian assets working with the FBI? Well, you sure about that? Ladies and gentlemen, there were only two explanations and a lead into the next. 
This is why I set them up this way. And if you read these two Margot Cleveland pieces, this will all make sense. By the way, I'm going to blow this up in book two, big time. I'm working on it today. The only way they could have found out about this dirt line, oh, I told Papadopoulos about dirt on Hillary, is from Mifsud himself. But ladies and gentlemen, if Mifsud is a Russian asset, why is the FBI working with a Russian asset who Adam Schiff is alleging is some kind of spy for the Russians? Quite a conundrum. Quite a conundrum, Joe. Yes. Paula, we need to put that on a shirt. <laughs> Quite a conundrum on the it's- Joe Armacost. <laughs> does create quite a conundrum, yes, doesn't it? Yes, sir, it sure does. Now, Joe, does that seem likely that the FBI, thinking there's a major Russian collusion scandal to feed information for the Trump team, is actually working with the Russians oh, right. and the Russian carve-out? Boy, I, 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 I don't no. think so. No, 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 it sounds bad. Sounds pretty stupid. This second explanation yeah. seems highly likely. If you read my first book, you already know it. Joseph Mifsud is connected to Western intelligence assets that are friendly to the United States, the United Kingdom, and others through his Link campus. It now appears highly likely that Mifsud was a Western intelligence asset, was working with people, whether wittingly or unwittingly, to set up Papadopoulos. I don't think Pop, I don't think Masood had all the details about what he was doing, but he was prompted. This is highly, highly likely based on the evidence and based on the comments of his own lawyer, Masood's lawyer, who says he's a Western intelligence asset, that Masood was prompted to tell Papadopoulos about dirt on Hillary so that they could use it to get a warrant on Papadopoulos. I forgot about the lawyer. We would call that. Yeah. Yeah. We would call that framing someone. Yeah. Now, there's a third explanation. I'll put it out there. Something I've indicated as a possibility, but I'll make it quick because I want to move on to an even more damaging piece of information indicating that Mifsud was not a Russian intermediary. They are lying to you. Mifsud is the key figure in a government conspiracy, legitimate conspiracy to set up the Trump team. The third explanation is Masood is an intelligence asset working with friendly intelligence operators and the FBI is unaware of it. In other words, the FBI really believes Masood's a Russian asset even though he's working at the behest of friendlies, Western intelligence assets. I doubt it. I'll tell you why in a second, but I want to keep that out there. Now keep in mind, the FBI interviews Masood in February of 2017 after they interview Papadopoulos he comes into the country to speak at this event uh, co-sponsored by the State Department. Wow, how'd that happen? How'd he get in the country? I thought he was a Russian spy. And the FBI lets him go again. Never to be seen again. As I always say, he goes to the Ren and Stimpy land of the left socks. <laughs> Where they go, nobody knows. We still can't find Mifsud. The Italian authorities seem quite interested in Mifsud lately, though. Hmm. We'll see where that one goes. Let's go up to this next Margot Cleveland piece, because it's going to put together, again, the point I'm trying to make. There's only two stories that can exist here, okay? And they cannot coexist in the same space. Either Mifsud's a Russian carve-out and an intermediary who tried to relay information to the Trump team, and Papadopoulos was a Russian colluder, or Mifsud is not a Russian asset and was working for someone and they're trying to hide who he was working for. By the way, one more thing. Oh, keep, keep that up. Keep in mind, Papadopoulos is never, ever charged in his statement of offense. Papadopoulos is never charged with meeting with a Russian agent. Ever. Ever. Mueller never charges him. I thought Mifsud was a Russian intermediary, an agent. How come he was never charged? Interesting. Fascinating. Because Mueller's whole probe is a scam, that's why. Second piece by Margot Cleveland, entitled, If you inspect the FISA applications closely, more mysteries arise about Joseph Mifsud. Great piece in the show notes again today. Please read it. These are older pieces, but they're they're key to putting together the story. Mifsud cannot be two things at the same time. He cannot be a Russian asset and a friendly at the same time. He's not, this guy's not a triple quadruple agent. 
Margot Cleveland has a fascinating piece, the one I just titled, where she shows how in this critical period, January to April of 2017, why is this critical? It's critical because there's this, this is where this, uh, this is the period between the second and third FISA warrant. The first warrant is issued, FISA is applied for in October of 2016, Joe. There's 90 mm-hmm. days before it lapses. The second one is in January. The third one is in April. So in this January to April period, between the second and third FISA application renewal, there should be some key updates. If you're following the story, it's going to jump out to you right now. We should be able to look at those two renewals and see a key update. What should that update be, Joe? Well, what happens in January of 2017? Papadopoulos is interviewed. You would think in this update, if Papadopoulos met with a Russian agent, it would be in the April update, right, Joe? All right, yeah. January? In the yeah. April re-up for the FISA, you should see some new information. Yeah. It's not there. What else happens in February in this critical January to April period between FISA renewals? In February, as Cleveland points out, Ms. Soot is interviewed. And he's allowed to leave the country. Where he goes... Nobody knows. Why isn't they interviewed a Russian agent, right, Joe? According to Adam Schiff. Yeah. Dreaded air quotes. There's got to be some update in that April application about what they got from the Russian agent. It's why they let him go. But there's nothing. There's nothing in there. There are no updates. There is an update, though. You following me, folks? If the story Adam Schiff, the sleazeball, wants you to believe that Nunez is about to expose, that Papadopoulos met with a Russian agent, that's the genesis of this whole scandal, mm-hmm. then how come Papadopoulos never charged a meeting with a Russian agent? The guy they allege is a Russian agent, Mifsud, is interviewed by the FBI in February of 2017. Yet in April, when they have to go back to the FISA court with this, all this information about the Russian agent they interviewed, there's nothing in there except for one change in the footnote. Oh, you are good out there. You are good. From the Margot Cleveland piece. The only apparent... I'm talking to my wife, by the way. The only apparent change in that section, she's talking about the Pfizer re-up in April, came in the concluding paragraph dealing with Page's established relationship with government officials with a slight addition to the footnote. See page 192 of the Pfizer application file. So in other words, hold that up there one minute. There's a revision to a footnote. What is that revision? This is fascinating stuff. Of particular note, the footnote included a new Freedom of Information Act request exemption, notation B7D-1, which allows the government, so just to be clear before I finish this, there's an additional footnote where the government in their FISA application in April, after they've interviewed Ms. Sud, this alleged Russian intermediary, mm-hmm. they're now requesting an exemption to the Freedom of Information Act. In other words, we're trying to hide something. And what is that information based on? This exemption allows the government to withhold information that, quote, could be reasonably expected to disclose the identity of a confidential source. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Yeah. Either the FBI, the FBI, Johnny Utah, finds out in February and January of 2017, pursuant to their Papadopoulos Mifsud interviews, either they find out then that Mifsud is not a Russian agent or is an, and is an intelligence asset, hence the footnote, we need to protect the identity of a confidential source. Or they had known the whole time. We're trying to get Papadopoulos to play ball and flip on the Trump team. Papadopoulos doesn't flip. And now they're in a panic that Papadopoulos may go to the press. So they have to lock him up somehow. And that's when the text, the Civil War starts in July of 2017 when all the texts come out. Folks, that footnote is absolutely critical. Why is the FBI trying to hide the identity of a confidential source in an April renewal right after they interviewed the guy who they're saying the whole time is not a confidential source, but is a Russian intermediary who conveniently disappears right after that? Listen to me, please. Bookmark this show. What is it? Episode 954. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Because I'm telling you, this is what's in the redactions. And this is a key component of what's going to come out that is going to entirely discredit this sleazeball, Adam Schiff, who has been pushing this. Mifsud was a Russian intermediary the entire time. He is lying. The intermediary that was being used to set up Papadopoulos was not Russian. They were friendly intel assets working with the Obama administration. David Korn doesn't want you to know about. The useful idiot. Wow, that was a stacked show today. Yeah, um, all right, folks, don't miss tomorrow's show. I'm, I promise you I'm going to get some other stuff, too. I want to cover some more healthcare stuff. I got another devastating story about government healthcare um, I want to get to. And some more, uh, I'll have some stuff on the bar testimony today. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino, and subscribe to the audio podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. You can play us on Google Podcasts. But the subscriptions, they're free. It's the subscriptions, uh, I don't know why they work it this way, but that drive us up the charts and help other people find the show. And we really, really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much. That was a really great show today. I enjoyed it a lot. I'll talk to you all tomorrow, folks. Thanks for tuning in. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.